0: podcasting from Valdosta, Georgia, named by ESPN as Town, USA, and home to the composer of Jingle Bells, Dukes of Hazard actor Sonny Schroyer, and Valdosta State University. This is the Solomon's Porch Podcast, a weekly podcast for people on the go who want to hear relevant messages about Jesus Christ. Today you'll hear about the seven longings of the human heart, a series on the God-given desires in each and every one of us, and how God is the only one who can truly satisfy these longings. So sit back and relax, unless you're operating heavy machinery, and enjoy.
1: When I was a kid, I rooted for two teams, the Sooners and the Cowboys, Um, University of Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, two teams. Um, I had two football jersey, night shirts, one was red and white. One was orange and black. I would interchange them during football season. My mom went to University of Oklahoma. Uh, My dad went to Oklahoma State. My brother went to Oklahoma State. My sister went to University of Oklahoma for a while. I didn't go to either. I went to a school that didn't have a football team. Um, So I didn't have to choose. I never had to choose. Um, And I root for uh, both of those teams. and and here's the deal, a lot of people don't get that. People no, you have to pick. You have to pick a team you have to align your allegiance with one team you can't have multiple teams you can't have more than one are you just gonna pick the one that's better that year you can't have multiples you only can have one you can only have one favorite one team it's the only one that you can have the shirts for and the stickers on your car and the and and that's it you can't do anything else right this is how we think we we can't have more than than one team there's a, a psychiatric diagnosis known as disassociative identity disorder. We used to call it multiple personalities. Um, and it's this condition where a person shows two or more distinct personalities, two or more distinct identities. She's just going all over the place. I love it. Hey Brantley! <laughs> um, but there's this, this, in this identity disorder, it's these two distinct personalities. A- and they can be one of either. And it's like each one has its own pattern, its own way of, of thinking, its own way of interacting with the environment around it. I mean, think about it. So am I a Boomer Sooner, you know, or am I a Pistol Pete? You know, which, which one is it? And to some degree spiritually, I think a lot of us have this, we struggle with this kind of condition. Spiritually, I think we struggle with this because I think for most of us, we would agree, we would even say, yes, I want this, that we, we, we want, we desire for our identity to be found in Jesus Christ and in no other. We desire this, we want this, we say, yeah, I, yes. I want my identity to be found in Jesus Christ but we tend to find our identity in so many other places and not in a way in which you go well I'm I'm gonna take Jesus over here and I'm gonna take Jesus here and everywhere I go there's Jesus but in many ways we have found our identity in 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 stuff and and no one would ever know if Jesus was there in the midst we desire, you know, I think most of us, that we desire for our joy to be found in the Lord, to come from the, from the Lord, and yet we find our joy in so many other places. We desire to be wholehearted in our devotion to God, but our Christian personality is often disassociated from everything else. Jesus was talking to his disciples And someone said, Jesus, give me your top three greatest commandments. Give me two of your greatest commandments. Give me, you know, I know there's not just one, Jesus, so give me a couple. No. The question was asked of Jesus, what is the first and greatest commandment? And this is what he says to them. What's the most important commandment of all? And he says in Matthew 22, verses 27 and 28, he says this. Here it is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Not one of, not take your pick. This is the first, this is the greatest And I think that this is where so many of us struggle, having this passionate wholeness of heart in our relationship with God, having this all in with our heart, soul, mind. I appreciated the prayer, Justin, that you prayed. That struggle, it's real for us to be wholehearted. Because I think most of us would likely agree that when it comes to our walk with Christ, we often feel like that devotion, that 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 allegiance that we should feel is is less than it could be it's just not it's lacking something you know we have given jesus some of our heart we have we but we've held back a piece we've held back a part that keeps us from being whole you know I, i remember that that amazing night walking along the beach at saint george island Walking along with Drew, and I remember that night so vividly as we stood there on the beach, and he told me for the first time that he loved me with half of his heart. It was so romantic. I can just see it, you know, the stars in the sky. Shannon, I love you a little bit. It just almost just gives you goosebumps, doesn't it? It's so special that he loves me just a little bit. But what do we do? We find ourselves saying things like, yeah, I love Jesus, but, you know, I'm not going to be a fanatic about it. You know, I love Jesus, but but I don't have to talk to other people about it. I don't have to wear something that says I am. You know, I don't have to post Jesus memes on Instagram so everyone knows that I'm a follower of his. You know, I love Jesus, but I don't have to do this. I love Jesus, but I'm not this or that. And we here's the deal. We push back. There was a video that that was out a couple weeks ago that kind of made its rounds, and it was this one about I'm a Christian, but, and there's these people saying they're a Christian, but then they were saying all these things that they're not. And it's elicited a lot of response from folks. Here's the deal. We push back against the extremes. But when truth be told, we often struggle just to even live up to the moderate. We say, I'm a Christian, but I don't, I'm a Christian, but, uh." and we push back against the extremes we might see in other people or the way in which they're expressing their faith. And we're kind of like, really, like, do you really have to do that or say that or pray like that or do what? But we, I struggle to live up to the moderate. Why am I even bothering to push against the extremes? So maybe we don't have to lift our hands when we sing, but shouldn't we at least be fully aware of the words that we're singing? I mean, there's no rules saying you gotta lift hands, but shouldn't we be fully engaged in what we're emoting, what we're you know, maybe maybe we don't have to give five dollars to every homeless person that we come in contact with. But but shouldn't we at least be aware of and responsible for um, the poor in our community? Shouldn't we be connected to that in some way? I mean, shouldn't we? May, okay, so maybe we don't have to memorize all of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. But but shouldn't we be reading Scripture? Shouldn't we be looking at it and 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 uh, ingesting it and, 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 and taking it in and talking about it with other people? I mean, should, shouldn't we? Because we want to be fully devoted to God, to live wholeheartedly for Him, and yet, for many of us, we find ourselves functioning with this this kind of split personality, with this, you know, our, 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 our Christian personality and then everything else. And if you remember from week one, as we kind of gave an overview of this whole series, I made this statement, half-hearted followers have too much of God to enjoy sin and too much sin to enjoy God. And I think in many ways you could say that that's kind of where most people are if they were to really explain their their relationship if they were to give you on a scale of 1 to 10 that this is what my relationship with God is is i don't know how many folks are just like just off the charts because i think there's a struggle going on of going i know i know who my identity is in Christ and yet i'm not living in that identity Too much of God to enjoy sin and too much sin to enjoy God. There's this spiritual dichotomy going on there. So how do we how do we remedy this? What's the remedy to this? What's the what are some some practical things? And and I just I want to offer two today because I think they're they're basic but they're so helpful how do we remedy this split personality this gaping hole in this heart that's supposed to be wholehearted the first one is this i think we what we can do what we should do is we need to recognize our redemption we just need to recognize our redemption we just need to to recognize it to see it and go okay yes i am redeemed and here's here's what i mean by this I think if you've grown up any in any way, shape, or form around church, at some point in time you've probably heard someone use the example, the illustration of a courtroom where God is the judge, and you are guilty. You are guilty because of the sin in your life. You are guilty, you've been declared guilty. It is there's proof of guilt. The list is long, long, long of how guilty you are. We've been a lot of us have been told this story. And Jesus comes into this scene. And he takes your place. He declares you innocent. He takes the, the whole, the rap sheet on you and he puts it on himself. And you're declared innocent by the judge God. It's become this—you're uh, declared legally innocent because of Jesus—and and unfortunately for a lot of people, this is the only way they've ever viewed their relationship with God. Now that story—and I mean it's a—it's a good example of what happens when when Jesus comes in and takes our place. It's true we we have guilt for our sin, and it's true that there it will be judgment unless we have that sin taken care of, and that comes through Jesus Christ. But for too many people, the courtroom. The judge God is the only way they view their relationship with God. Does that make sense? And so what happens, unfortunately, is a lot of people, this, this is what it is with God. This is what it's been boiled down to. It's just a legal standing. It's like a stamp. No, you're, you're, you're innocent now because of Jesus. Here you go. Here's your paperwork. See you later. And this is such an important part of the story of our, of our redemption, of our forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. But, it's, but the courtroom is not all of the story. It's not the only story. Because God's word tells us that, that he's not just some cold judge sitting behind a, you know, a desk. But that, that he has a heart that delights for us. He has a heart that delights in. He has a heart that longs for a relationship with us. And that that it's not just about being declared innocent, but it's the fact that he loved us first. It's the fact that that we can now live into this. That that he has not uh, just cleared us of charges, but that he has loved us. Maybe better put, it's this. Too many people don't know that part of being saved by God is also being loved by God. Part of being saved by God includes, is all tied up in being loved by God. We need to recognize our redemption. You know, John 3.16, the verse, the verse. And it's like, for some people... It's, John, you know, the, the last part of the verse, you know, 316b, if you will, you know, it's this. We know, we know that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. We know that, but it seems like sometimes we forget the first part of that verse. This is how, for this is how much he loved us. This is how much he loved the world. You know, you and I, we don't need to earn the love of God. He loved us first. We we get to live into that reality. We get to live into the fact that He loved us first. We don't have to earn it at all. So we need to recognize our redemption. That's part of being able to live into this wholeheartedness with God. Is to recognize that He loved us first. And another way we can do this is just through exercising some spiritual discipline in our lives. Now, this is where most people kind of shut their eyes and go, okay, I'm just going to tune out for a little bit. Um, Just go ahead and hit these points quickly, please, so we can move on. But just listen for a moment, if you would. Because I think there's a a majority of folks, and, and I would throw myself in here as well on occasion, that can be frustrated with God, frustrated with the church, frustrated with lack of you know answered complaints. I mean, prayers that we give to God. That you're just frustrated that God's not showing up the way we thought to. There's a majority of people who who are are in this place and and they're and I would say this are also almost completely disconnected from any spiritual discipline. I mean. Think about the times that you've been frustrated with God. You've been frustrated with the lack of answered prayer. You've been frustrated with, with um, you know, trying to, to have a, a breakthrough in, in a situation or, or a relationship or something that's going on. And you felt this. You felt the tension. You felt the weight of it. You felt all this stuff. And I would say, and I'm just talking about myself here, there have been times when I've been there and I've been, I've been frustrated with God. Maybe I've been frustrated with, with, with others, and then if I were just to look inward for a moment and realize the lack of spiritual discipline I was engaging in at the moment. I mean, how much was I really praying? How much was I really seeking God? How much was I, I really engaging in his word? Not, not, you know, how many times was I not ever really truly present um, with God because there was just a, a lack of, of spiritual engagement on my part with him? Lack of discipline in those areas. And and time and again I've been there, you probably have too, when you might find yourself in a place where you, you wanna just say it's it's someone else's fault. It's 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 your fault. I'll just blame it on Bob. <laughs> it's someone else's fault. You know, and I see this also as a life pattern. You know, time and again, uh, you know, like the husband who wants so much for his marriage to be better but is just never home. You know, or the mom who longs to be just closer to her kids but really doesn't spend more than 30 minutes a day really with them. You know, the church attendee who's tired of being lonely and disconnected but is the last one in the door and the first one out Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. We need to engage in this. If we desire this wholehearted connection with God, which I believe he has placed these longings when, within each and every one of us, we need, to, we need to exercise these spiritual disciplines. I mean, just like any other area of our life, being wholehearted with God, it requires an investment of who we are. It, inquires, it requires an investment. I mean, that's why Jesus said this. He didn't say, uh, Yeah, the first and greatest commandment is just to love me with all your heart. No, He engaged the mind, He engaged the intellect, He engaged the, the, the emotions, our soul. He said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, all your soul. And any part of these, our heart, our soul, our mind, which, which we would, I don't know, is sacrifice to someone else, to something else, it's going to, to leave a hole in that relationship with God. You know, uh, it just wouldn't be a sermon if I didn't talk about Mallory. I've hit Oklahoma and Mallory in two, so there you go. But Mallory and I have been doing something for a while now where I pretend to tell her that I'll, I'll do something like this, I'll say. And she, she'll do something else. It'll be out of nowhere and I'll go, Mallory, what? And I'll go, I love you about, and I'll, I'll go about like, I love you about this much. And she knows, she, she kind of leans in and she waits and the, and the smile kind of grows on her face because I'm like this and she's waiting and she's waiting. And then I'll go, this much because she knows that mommy doesn't just love her this much as she's learning numbers and counting you know one day I'm 23 and the next day I'm 62 so she's truly trying to figure this out but as she's learning this she'll start to do this to me too out of nowhere she'll say mom mommy yeah I love you 62 and I'll go whoa the other day she said um Mom, I love you 5,100 times. She has never had to earn my love a day in her life. She's had it before she even came into this world. She hasn't had to do a thing to earn my love. She has the opportunity to live into this love that I have for her. Folks, and you and I have an opportunity to live into the love that our God has for us. And he's made possible through Jesus Christ. We have been redeemed. We have the glorious opportunity to live wholeheartedly in relationship with God because he, he took the first step. And as I've been preparing for this message the last week and a half and, and thinking about this and praying about this, I have just been so aware of the ways in which I've been split personality in so many just little things, bigger things. And I just want to live wholeheartedly in that. And so that's been my prayer for for you, for our church, that we would recognize this redemption. We would recognize the opportunity that we have to live into this. And I have no idea what God's going to do in this process. But I do know this it will be glorious. Would you pray with me? Father, I just... I, thank you is not even... Doesn't even cut it. But oh Lord God, how, how I have failed to thank you. The way in which you deserve to be thanked. Lord, the way that... that Lord, we have an opportunity to... To live lives that, that honor you, that glorify you. Father, we have the you, we have this this amazing privilege to be called your sons and daughters. We have this amazing uh, I lack the words to, to, to put on this Lord to to live into your love. And yet, time and again, we have chosen counterfeits. We have chosen the less thans. We've chosen the momentary instead of the eternal. And I just pray for an awareness for our church that we would recognize the links in which you've gone to to be in relationship with us and that we would wholeheartedly run into your arms and we'll see what happens in your kingdom because of that response in the name of Jesus Christ we pray Amen
0: Thanks for listening to the Solomon's Porch Podcast If you like what you just heard we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already, and be sure to review us. If you'd like to help to contribute to the ministry, we encourage you to check out our website at theporchvaldosta.com and click on giving. Join us next time for another edition of the Solomon's Porch Podcast.